Praise God. Praise God. So thankful for all that God has been doing in this in this place. Denise, if I could have just a little more monitor. <laughs> it's uh it's truly amazing what God is doing. And I believe and I feel and I see in the spirit that uh there's no slowing down there's no turning back it's only looking onward and upward forward to what the hand of god desires to do in our life and in this church praise god i would like for us to turn in the word of god today to the book of deuteronomy chapter one deuteronomy one and uh, we want to read verses 5 through 8. So it's great to have the Wilsons back again today. Praise God. Awesome people. Praise God. <clears throat> it's great to have the Bales back uh, safe from their one-week cruise. How we love and appreciate them. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says this says on this side Jordan in the land of Moab began Moses to declare this law saying and I want us to note that Moses declared a law the Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb saying you have dwelt long enough in this mount and here's the law turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites and unto all the places nigh thereunto in the plain in the hills and in the vale and in the south and by the seaside to the land of the Canaanites and unto Lebanon unto the great river the river Euphrates so here was the law and this law was given because the Lord said you've dwelt too long in this mount you've dwelt too long in this place and I'm giving you a law that you need to move and there's an old song that I grew up hearing sang a lot and says you've got to move you've got to move <laughs> you've got to move <laughs> you've got to move when the Lord gets ready you've got to move <laughs> anybody ever heard that beside me <laughs> and so the Lord was ready for them to move and Moses was ready for them to move. But I'm not sure the people were ready to move. Therefore, Moses said, I'm giving you a law. You've got to move. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 8 said, Behold, I've set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give unto them and to their seed after them. 
I want to borrow a, a title from a book today for the title of this message. There was a great preacher, probably one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century by the name of A.W. Tozer. Anybody ever heard of A.W. Tozer? Uh, uh, <clears throat> he wrote probably over 100 books and pamphlets and was known for uh, his, great, his great ministry. One of the books that he wrote, and I haven't had the chance to read the entire book, but I'm going to, and I would encourage you to, especially uh, uh, seeing the title of that book. The title of that book is called Rut, Rot, or Revival. And I like the title of that book well enough to entitle the message today the same. Rut, Rot, or Revival. Turn to your neighbor and say, rut? Or ask him this, do you want a rut? Do you want to rot? Or do you want revival? <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. The reason why the children of Israel were in this situation was because they stayed in one place too long. They began to get comfortable in this place. This place where they were, this mountain, was way down in southern Egypt it was as far away from the promised land just about as you could get. But nevertheless, no matter how far you are away from the promise of God, I can assure somebody here today, God's hand will be upon you if you look to Him, and He can bless you wherever you are. But that just doesn't mean that you're in the ultimate place of destination that God has designed for you. And so they became comfortable at Mount Sinai. This was the name of the mountain. It is still called Sinai today. It is known, that whole area, as the Sinai Peninsula. And uh, for the most part, that is the name that that great mountain and that region is known by. Uh, it is also referred to as the Mount of God. It is also referred to as the Mount of Revelation. But when Moses used a name to describe that mountain in this particular portion of Scripture. And when he was giving instructions to the children of Israel, he called it, it's time for us to move from this dried up place. Because Horeb means dried up. So he didn't say it's time for us to move from the mount of God. It's time for us to move from the Mount of Revelation. 
or it's time to move from Mount Sinai, but it is time to move from dried up. God don't want his people dried up. And where God may have blessed you before doesn't mean it's where God wants to bless you now. If you try to stay at that same old mountain where you've been blessed, even had your socks blessed off, that don't mean that it's any good anymore. It may just be dried up. And so Moses felt so strongly about it and God felt so strongly about it that they said, we are going to make a law. You can't stay in this predicament. You can't stay in this place because I have given a greater vision for my people. If you will recall, I gave it way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and told them wherever their feet would go, I would give them that land. And he began to describe it. And you will see the entire map of the Middle East described in those few verses of Scripture all the way up to Lebanon reaching the other end where the sea is again. And all the way from there to the river of Euphrates, up into Iran and Iraq, and all the way down through there. He said, that's your land. If you will walk there, I'll give it to you. Mount Sinai is where Moses had received his commission. Before they ever left Israel or Egypt, Moses had been out tending his father-in-law's sheep and he came to this mountain. And at that particular mountain, this is where you find the story of the burning bush. Oh, God visited Moses in a special way at this mountain. This is where we know that Moses came down from the mountain the mount of God with the commandments that God with his own finger had written on the tablets of stone. And he came down uh, from that mountain where the law had been received. This is the mountain where God said, because the people complain, he said that there's not enough water for them and for their beast, he said, uh, just go over to that rock, Moses, and just like you put your rod over the Red Sea, he said, uh, uh, tap on that rock right there, and the children of Israel will have all the water that they need, and they did. There were some amazing things that had happened in that place. There were some bad things that had happened in that place where when they thought that maybe Moses was never coming back and Aaron listened to the people who said, you know, let's make for ourselves an image and let's worship and here's where the golden calf was and so on. And uh, this uh, displeased God, it displeased Moses and, and, and angered Moses even to the, to the point that he threw down the stones of the commandments and they broke to pieces. 
Yet in spite of all of that, this is the place where when they heard the voice of God and when God said, look, I'm going to give you those commandments again, but this is what I want you to do. He said, strip off all of your ornaments and repent before me. And the Bible says the people repented before God and they stripped off all of their ornaments in repentance. And then they stayed there a year. Somebody might ask, what you think the worst enemy of the church is? What is the thing that maybe keeps us from progressing the way that God would have us to progress? Most people would come up with the wrong answer. If you ask some people, they'll say it's liberalism that came into our church. And uh, there's something to be said for that. It can sure cause some problems. But I don't think it's the worst enemy that the church faces. Some people would say, well, it's people that just don't believe in the Bible the way they used to believe it. And that's true in many of our churches. There are people that don't know their Bibles. They don't believe what they read in their Bibles with a passion. And so it's a problem, but it's not the greatest problem that stops the growth of a Christian or stops the growth of a church. Some people would say, well, it's, it's church attendance. You know, people just don't come to church like they used to anymore. Or they don't take it seriously. And uh, they don't understand. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in the manner as some is. Uh, so much more as you see that day approaching. Uh, all of that is true. Those are problems that will bog down a Christian's life and bog down a church and bog down church growth. But I believe that some of the worst enemy or the worst enemy of the church and what the church faces today is routine. Routine. Even traditions. Not all traditions are bad, and we better hang on to some traditions, but there are some traditions. There are some routines that just because we get comfortable in them, we think that that is the way we should continue. Well, that's what had happened at the Mount of God in Mount Sinai, the Mount of Revelation. Now God was calling it Mount Horeb, which means dried up. He said, I would that the people would go forward. Is somebody with me in here today? And so routine is the treacherous enemy facing the church today. The dictatorship of routine. And it's like this. When anyone can predict next Sunday's service and what will happen, you may be in a routine. 
When we come to the place where everything can be predicted and nobody expects anything unusual from God, you may be in a routine. I remember a few years ago, it was a Mother's Day service. And so we were planning on doing the little things, you know, give every mother a flower and do this and do that and and go through the routine of a typical Mother's Day service. But got a phone call that morning that said, uh, you know what, we have been uh, studying the revelation of who Jesus is. And we have been listening to the ministry of Irvin Baxter with End Time Ministries, and we understand that that Jesus is God incarnate and in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so that when you see Jesus, you see God. And, and, and God never was in flesh before. He's a spirit that fills the universe. And Jesus was the... And they begin to explain. We understand now that because of this, we also uh, need to be baptized using that name of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells us we are buried with Him in baptism. The Bible tells us that He was the propitiation for our sins. And that Peter said to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus. We saw in the house of Cornelius where he was baptized in the name of Jesus. We see that when Paul went to the coast of Ephesus that that there he found out that uh, they had been baptized in the name of Jesus but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit and so they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So this family called a family of five and said we all want to be baptized today and I'm thinking to my myself okay it's mother's day we got this little program i got to take my wife out to eat after church and so it messed up the routine we were going to have to baptize five people no no i I didn't feel that way at all about it I i don't care what's on the agenda praise god we got to service and announced it, and two more people in the congregation said, I want to be baptized too. You know what we did? We went and baptized seven people on Mother's Day. Threw the dinner out the door and everything else. Because if somebody in this place is hungry to be used of God, and somebody would say, I'm tired of the routine. And if somebody would say, I don't want to get in a rut. And for God's sake, I don't want to rot. I wonder if somebody in this place wants revival. But many people are caught up in the routine of repeating without feeling, without meaning, without wonder, and without any happy surprises or expectations. God, don't let that be my church. And the rut. If we go too long in a routine, we come to a place that would be called a rut. And what that is is a bondage to the routine. 
I've heard people describe a rut is just a grave with different dimensions or a grave with both ends kicked out, and that's exactly what it is. I don't want to be in a rut. <clears throat> Someone said in Georgia, and we lived there almost seven years, and, and, and I, didn't, I didn't see this particular place, but supposedly there is a place, a road in Georgia, that say, has a sign that says, choose your rut carefully, you will be in it the next 50 miles. And I think there's some people like that in church. Choose your rut, church, for very carefully, for you will be in it for the next 50 years. <laughs> God, don't let me be in a rut, church. Don't let me be in a routine, church. Let me be in a revival, church. You've got to break the cycle. If you found yourself in a routine, if you found yourself in a rut, the next step is rot. That's the most horrid stage of all. Rot. It's the inability to envision anything better. Or, or worse yet, it's a lack of desire for improvement. There's some people that just don't even care if they improve anymore. There's some people that's happy with us four and no more. Well, I'm not. Hallelujah. I believe that we are on the edge right now with this new relaunch of Grace Point Fellowship, with the growth that is coming to North Texas, with the condition of the world around us, with some hungry hearts that I feel in this place. I believe we're on the edge of one of the greatest revivals that McKinney, Texas has ever known. And it don't have to be a, a bunch of people to get it started. Hallelujah. One of the greatest hindrances to moving on, that law that Moses said, we must move from this place. One of the greatest hindrances to moving forward is our concern for comfort. Just a couple weeks ago, we had something known as a Super Bowl. And it, it was pretty amazing. Can't remember who played now, but it was still pretty amazing. <sighs> That who was it? The Falcons and the Patriots. That's right. So, so the Falcons, man. I mean, they came out of there, and uh, uh, it looked like it was going to be a runaway, and and it looked like that all the Patriots was going to do was stay in the comfort zone, because that's what the middle of the field's called. The only problem is if you stay in the middle of the field. You're never going to score. You can't ever put a point on the board until you get out of the comfort zone and into the end zone. And it is tough to get out of that comfort zone. 
it's kind of fun, fun to watch. There's not a whole lot of push and resistance from the opposing team when you're hanging out on the 40 and the 50-yard line. But you let that opposing team get down to the third yard line, the second yard line, and they're at first and goal. You talking about a push. You talking about people that don't even care if they break their neck to stop those people from getting into the end zone. That's when the fight is the toughest. So I say all that to say it's real easy to get comfortable in the comfort zone. Another hindrance that we have to moving on is fear. And here's the greatest fear. The fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. Even the children of Israel face this. Said, this is a way that we have never passed before. I don't know what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And sometimes, and maybe even today, there's somebody in this place that feels that way. But I can assure you, there's somebody that knows how to do it, when to do it, and who to do it with. And as for me, I want to be one that he does it with. Another hindrance to moving, moving on, is maintaining the same attitudes that have caused us to fail before. There's an old adage that says, if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you always got. And some people have never lost that attitude of losing. They've never lost that attitude of failing. Praise God. I've come to encourage someone today that God has more for you. God has greater things for you. There is a place to move from, to move to. The children of Israel had only been out of Egypt three days when the people uh, began to complain. And here they were nearly 40 years later still complaining. They allowed a critical spirit to stall their spiritual growth. Their praise had turned into pity parties and strife in their midst, bickering over small things, majoring on minors while minors became the majors. It's time to form new habits. It's all about the outward manifestation of what Moses said in verse 7 and 8. Turn and take your journey. Because God said, you've been in this mountain long enough. And I can assure you, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you should be prepared for battle. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you should be ready for service in His kingdom. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. There are some people that have 
20 years of experience. But there's some people in the church as a Christian uh, and as a worker in the kingdom that has one year of experience 20 times because they never move on. Did you get that? Some people have one year of experience 20 times. It's amazing. There's never the progression. that I, The same progression that God wanted to see in His people that just kept going around and around and around and around and around that same mountain and feeling comfortable with that. God said, Moses, give those people a law that they must move forward. And like the people of Israel, we have to go in and possess the land. It's not going to land in this sanctuary one day. It's not going to land in your house one day. You'll say, whew, this is just what I've been waiting on. God said, move forward. Go and possess the land because I've promised it. Revelation 3.8 says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. I want somebody to see that open door today. He said, I've set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. He understands that it's going to take some shoring up. It's going to take some praying up. It's going to take some fasting. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take desire in the innermost being that says, I don't want to stay in a rut. I don't want to stay in a routine. I don't want to stay here till I rot. I must have revival. And I want to say to somebody today that it is time to find your purpose in the kingdom of God as never before. I've used this illustration before, but uh, speaking of purpose, finding your purpose, a good example uh, is the IRS. Uh, if, if, the, if you don't like them, it doesn't matter. They know their purpose in existing. And it says this in the 1976 IRS handbook. It states, quote, during a state of national emergency resulting from enemy attack, the essential functions of the service will be as follows. Assessing, collecting, and recording taxes. So while everybody else is panicking, they're going to be going about doing what they always do. Take our money because they know their purpose. We've got a higher purpose than the IRS. Everything in creation has a primary purpose or reason for existing. And for anyone or anything to be successful, they must fulfill that purpose. If the musicians would come. I believe that God has an amazing purpose even for such a time as this in every individual's life under the sound of my voice today. 
Maybe you've heard this question. What's the primary purpose of an ink pen? Probably everybody here can guess that one. It's to write. If you have a $120 cross gold tip pen, It's out of ink. It'd be real nice to look at. But it's a failure as a pen. And it has lost its purpose. So, when it comes time for you to endorse your paycheck you'll bypass the gold pen and you'll use a 29 cent yellow with a blue tip big pen why because it maintains its purpose To write. And guess what? You can go cash that check. <laughs> because there was something there when you needed it to fulfill its purpose. Would you stand with me today? Our lives are without meaning. Our lives are without purpose unless we find out what our purpose is, what our reason for living is. The call is going out today. Don't stay where you are. If you're in a rut, get out of it. Don't sit and rot or rust somebody should say today revive us O Lord revive me O Lord to fulfill your purpose I've got to get out of a rut or a routine or comfort or just rotting away because that's not what he's called me to do we've been called to revival we've been called to be victorious we've been called to conquer Romans 8, 37 says, Nay, in all these things. What things? Anything that you're going through, anything that you feel, anything that tries to oppose you, anything in all these things, the Bible says we are more, more than conquerors 
through Him that loved us. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's some people here today that says, I want revival in my heart. I want revival in my spirit. I want to move into the place that God has for me. I just want to open up this front right now as the singers sing. For those that desire to be a part of the revival that God has for Grace Point Fellowship, that God has for you and your family. Praise God. I just wonder if we could just maybe all come and just pray together around the front here for just a little while. Lift up our hands. Lift up our voices. Hallelujah.